already, Lord. Lord, you are so good. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, thank you for Jesus, Lord. Lord, thank you for the church that we have here today. Lord, I just pray that your, um, your message comes across the way that you'd want it to come across. Again, thank you, God, for the, the blessings to this point, and we just give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Mrs. Crowley, would you read our uh, opening verse here? Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did, did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with, relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Excellent. So, the... Uh, we're going through a summer series here at uh, Cross Train. My gosh, where'd that come from? Um, and, uh, you know, we usually, as Doug has talked about, go through books of the Bible and kind of dig into those and extract from God's word what we find in those uh, individual books. But the summer series is um, giving us um, some stuff as far as just solidifying our faith. You know, Doug talked that first week on. You know, is the Bible, can we trust the Bible? And, um, or is there a God, I think is what that was about. And um, the second week was talking about um, if there, so if there is a God, then, you know, why is there evil? If you, got, you know, these are all available online in a podcast if you guys want to see that. Last week was the story. So we're going to continue the story today. And today's message is, um, who is Jesus? And, uh, you know, how does it fit into the, the melodic line and the rhythm of the Bible from the front to the back? And, uh, you know, for, for some of you more mature believers, I'll, I'll hold back on the word old, though, though I don't mind getting old, to be honest with you. Um, the, uh, you know, it's really, really important that we understand Jesus and um, how he fits into the line of the Bible from the front to the back in salvation. You know, a lot of the cults out there, whether it be Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons or, or any of the other relig major religions, they, a lot, all of them believe there's not much questions out there, did Jesus, you know, exist? You know, the, the, the overwhelming historical evidence for that is, quite frankly, um, it, it, for you to believe anything in antiquity or, I love that word, it sounds like I'm really smart, I think, anything in history... For you to believe anything in history, 
and not believe in Jesus means you have to flush everything else out because there's more historical evidence that Jesus Christ existed, you know, 2,000 years ago than any other historical figure in history. And um, the, the problem with the major religions and the cults and stuff like, like that is they don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. Hey, put that Christology um, up there. Christology, you know, we, we have a class here at, um, at Cross Train that talks about theology. And if you haven't had a chance to take it, I would take that. It's, it's very good to just, you know, not to get you all heady. I mean, if you guys know me at all, heady is not my title. You know, it's not just not me. But to, and it's not even to get you all prideful and stuff, though I can struggle with that. But the study of um, Christology teaches that Jesus had to be a man so that he could die and had to be God so his death would pay for our sins. So we'll come back to that a couple times during this message. But really in the, in the theme of systematic theology, whether it be pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit, um, or bibliology, the study of the Bible, soteriology, the study of salvation, which is one of the things we'll be touching on next week, et cetera, et cetera. There's like nine major themes. If you don't have Christology right, it whacks out all the other ones. They're all, they all don't make sense without really, really understanding um, who Jesus was. So, um, in the story of creation, rebellion, redemption, rest restoration, for those of you here last week, I think Doug had you repeat that a couple times. We were on vacation last week, but I listened to Doug's message as I was driving to work this week a couple times. And he, um, I love that. You know, I, I've uh, had a saying that says, you know, Christ came, he suffered, he bled, he died, and he rose again. And um, so that's kind of my thing that I kind of made up at some point just to kind of condense the gospel. Um, but I like that, um, you know, Doug talks about that as far as creation, that, you know, God created the world. We rebelled, and then God started the redemption, restoration process. And you can see that all the way back to the Old Testament. So um, the main idea, you guys have that uh, paper with the vast amount of space on there that doesn't really have many talking points. What I'd like you to use that for is, if you have a crayon or something, write on there, um, as I'm going, I'm going to give you storylines, and I, and I hesitate with that word story. I, the Bible is an historical, accurate account of history. When you hear story, you think, um, what's the one that's real and not real, nonfiction, fiction, which one's the, the, the real one? Nonfiction. That always messes with me. I say, okay, if it's non, why is it real? So it doesn't matter, you know. 56 years old, and I still have trouble with some of these things. Um, but I like to say the historical count. So when you hear me say the story, if I slip that in sometimes, it's the historical account of the, of the Bible on a certain thing that I might tell you. But I want you to, you know, to, to write down a few of these things because I'll be honest, guys. This, um, I thought initially when I was given this topic of who is Jesus, oh, that's a softball. When you start to, when, I mean, and, and we're all, especially the older you get and the more you walk in your faith, you're going to realize the depth and breadth of who Jesus is um, on some level, at least as, as humanly possible as our little finite brains can comprehend it. And it gets super challenging to, okay, so what do I talk about? You know, we started out with Matthew there. What preceded what Chloe read, Miss Crowley, Mrs. Crowley, that's my daughter for those of you in the room that don't know. She used to be a Miss Morris, now she's a Mrs. Crowley. And, um, but the thing that we uh, don't see on that, I lost what I was saying, so never mind. All right, we're going to toggle back and forth from the New Testament, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, doing some comparison things of where I was kind of taken on this. Go, open your Bibles to Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 1. We'll start in the beginning. 
I should have given you more heads up on that, but Genesis 1. But it's the first book in the Bible. All right. And, you know, I almost went to verse 3 because there could be an argument made that, you know, it says in the beginning, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was hovering over the water. Well, then in verse 3 it says, then God said, let there be light. It didn't say he created light. I almost want to say that's Jesus. I can't, I couldn't flush that out completely because there was some other stuff. I had like 18 pages of stuff on just that little part that I spent a lot of time on as I was preparing and just, I ended up Xing it all out yesterday. So, but we're going to go to verse 26. So, then God said, follow along with me, God was creating the world, right? This is on day six, I believe. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So you're not, getting a little, get, you're not going to get a lot of Hebrew from me. That's just not my um, expertise. But that God word, and I think um, Doug said a couple weeks ago, Elohim is God in the plural form. We were the pinnacle. God had already created the plants and the animals and everything else. Man, man was the pinnacle of God's creation. And if you notice there, we see Jesus for the first time in that verse, let us, plural form, God, Son, Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't talk about the Trinity, but it's there. It's there over and over and over again. And we're going to talk about that as we slip in and out of going through this today. Um, but and as far as image bearers, from the standpoint of having God's communicable um, attributes, what are those? We're relational. We have intellect. We're able to reason. We have will, a will. We have emotion. Animals don't have those things. They have instincts. We are a special, been made special to have relationship with our creator. And as we know after creation, just a couple pages over, rebellion happened, and that's when that relationship was severed. And God has been using the, the, uh, the last, you know, five, 6,000 years of history, restoring that so that we can have relationship with him again. And, of course, we know that's Jesus, and we'll kind of extrapolate on that. So, a couple other things in the, as we go through, I'm just going to talk about that the Old Testament, Christophanies is one of the things that they talk about. And like, uh, if you want to write this down, you know, in the, in the thing there, Genesis 18, it's actually, um, Abraham was approached by God in Genesis 12, 12 through 18. God is uh, telling Abraham he's going to build a great nation through him. And uh, by verse 18, I'm sorry, by chapter 18, 25 years later, he still has not had an error to build his nation through. I mean, how many, I don't know, some of you guys understand the story. I can't get into a bunch of depth. Let's just say God was going to build a great nation through Abraham, and after 25 years, he still had not given him an heir. Well, he told, uh, what happened in this Christophany is Christ came to him, and the reason we know it's Christ is he approached um, Abraham, two other people were with him, and he bowed down and he called him master. Everywhere else in the Bible, when an angel or something else shows up to somebody, they will tell them to get off the ground, you don't worship me. But we know by the person, in this case, we know it's a pre-incarnate Jesus, not telling him to get up, that was an encounter with him. There's other places, Christophanies in Genesis 16, uh, also 22, which I'll talk about later, um, Judges 5, 2 Kings, you don't have to write all those down, but Christophanies are one of those pictures that we see the pre-incarnate Christ. Another thing is the, a type or shadow of Jesus. This point one goes for a little bit, and then the backside will go a little faster. But I'm just kind of laying that foundation for you guys. Um, types or foreshadows. So in Exodus, go turn the, to Exodus chapter 3 for me, please. 
For those of you that aren't familiar, at this point now in the storyline, this is about 1,400 years-ish before Christ was born. Um, God had already taken, well, actually, you know what, before we, you guys can stay where you're at, but let me talk to you about Joseph, okay? Joseph is in chapters, if you want to write this down in your margin, chapter 30, and talk about a story. I mean, if you haven't read a good book lately, read chapters 37 through 50 of Genesis. It is a fantastic account of the story of Joseph and how God is using this man, Joseph. And again, we're talking about a type of Christ, right? We had one man who God picked to preserve his remnant of his Israelite people. That is a type of Christ and, keep, and, and preserving them from destruction, right? Otherwise, they would have died in the famine and or at the Egyptian's hand if, he hadn't, if God hadn't rose them up to the level that he was in Egypt. So, again, a type of Christ. Okay, so now... Joseph has been used to save those 70 people, that remnant of his family. And then over the next 400 years, God incubates those people into a group of about 2 million people. And that's, that's again, from the end of Genesis into the beginning of uh, Exodus where it kind of covers that. All right. Are you guys in Exodus chapter 3? Excellent. All right. So, um, verse 9. Oh, where am I at? I'm in Numbers 20 because I just turned the page but got distracted about Joseph. All right, verse 13, then Moses said to God, behold, all right, real quick, God went to Moses and said, I want you to go set my Israelite slaves who are in Egypt, you know, there's about 2 million of them now after that 400 years of incubation, 2 million people free. I want you to go ask Pharaoh to let his slaves go. And Moses uh, finally agrees, long story behind that, but you want to read about that. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. So he's talking to the Israelite people, saying, I've come to get you out. And now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am, I am who I am. And he said, Thus say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. And that I am, it just points to the self-existence and the eternality of God. And that was the best way to translate it, I guess, because really God doesn't have a name that we can pronounce in any language. All right, so you guys understand that, that the I am. The, the, uh, let's move forward. Go ahead and turn to John 8. John 8. I've got to draw some pictures here because this is where the Lord took me on this one. This what I'm about to talk to you guys about 20 years ago. God used this in, in my life as a very foundational thing. When I, when I saw the dots connecting of what we just read in Exodus and what we're about to read now in uh, John 8. So in the latter part of John, and um, he's been going back and forth with the, uh, the Jewish leaders and Jewish people in this last part of uh, John in the 50s there. So it says, um, all right, so in verse 53, just kind of jumping into the story, the... the uh, Jewish leaders are questioning Jesus, and they're kind of pressing him to find out who he is. He's, they're a little more poignant in, in chapter 10. We'll go there in a minute. But he said, verse 53, surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. If my father who glorifies me, whom I, sorry, of whom you say he is our God, and you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do not 
but I do know him and keep his word. For your father and Abraham rejoice. See that in 56. I'm in 56 now. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And you have, you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Do you see that? He just, and then, you know, some people, well, did he really say that? Well, look at verse 59. What do you think? Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself. They got exactly what he was talking about. Jesus called himself God. Right there, he called the shot, and they didn't like it. They did not want to to admit that who he was. You know, they they didn't believe, frankly. Go Flip over to chapter 10 real quick. Let's just keep this theme going here. Go to verse, uh, I wasn't going to read all that. It seems like a lot to read now. Um, so basically, in, in 22, he's at this feast. He's in the temple. Down to verse 26, he says, but you do not believe. Um, oh, I'm sorry. We're going to go to 25. Jesus answered them. I told you, because they asked him. And, all right, I guess we have to back up to 24. I'm sorry. It says, but the Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will not perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You guys see the next verse there, verse 31. The Jews picked up stones to stone them. At first glance, when you look at the Father and I are one, it doesn't look that dramatic, but evidently the Jews got it. They knew exactly what he was saying again. And if I could just back up for a second to the, in verse 29, 28, 29, I'll read uh, 29. My father has given them to me. Um, given them to me. is He's greater than all, and no one will be able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Guys, if you have trouble, and, we, and I think we all have our doubts and stuff, but if your security and what Christ has done for us and what God has done through his son, guys, you know, if we could lose... Our faith, guys, I would lose mine every day. I mean, I know it's not what this message is about, guys, but this is, when I saw that, I just, it just impacted me that you can't be taken away from our Lord. Amen. So Amen. I love that. All right. So, um, all right. So we, we see, I'm just going to, we don't have to go there right now, but we see uh, Christ in the David-Goliath story. Um, that's in uh, 1 Samuel 17. If you guys want to look at that, that's a great story. But again, the Israelite people are going to be in a war with the Philistines. And this is a, a great army, and they're about to destroy and take out Israel. And God uses one man, teenage boy in this case, to save his people from destruction. Do you see the analogy there? Apart from Christ, we die total destruction. We're We're done. But with Christ, we have eternal hope and glory. Um, so, I, you know, again, using that type or that foreshadow, God is talking, Jesus is in every book of the Bible, new and old, and those themes are taught throughout. Um, even the, the Noah account, using one man, and then the ark, 
Use it used to save those eight people from destruction. You know, all the other people in the world were swimming and then not. And, um, you know, so God used Noah, one man. Again, another type and picture of a Christ. So, Brian opened up with uh, the Colossians verse. He, um, you know, right towards the end there in 17, 18, he is the creator and the sustainer of everything. It's always ever been about Jesus. And um, it's just, it's such a comfort. He healed people. He cared for people. He loved people. He righteously got anger when his father was blasphemed. He even appeared a little frustrated with us sometimes. I saw this in Luke 9.41, that at the end of it he says, oh, how long do I have to put up with you? And I went, wow. You know, I guess we could talk about that. What, what, what does that mean? Because we don't hear that part of Jesus very often, but it's right there. He says, how long am I going to have to put up with you? And as I was pondering, I was convicted. Because there's times in my life, and it's not overt, that I just don't think I'm as obedient probably as I could be. And I just, I just wonder if I need to reflect on that sometimes. And, um, and just, you know, ponder, you know, is there in ways that, you know, that he's just putting up with me. But we know overall, though, he loves us a lot. So just don't want to leave that out. All right. We've already talked about him being um, flesh. Da, 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 da. You know, um, people uh, in, this, in this world, they're looking for a, um, a confident hope, a, um, something they can um, really put their faith in. You know, the world we know is just empty and it's never going to satisfy you know, for those of you that were here last summer when I um, talked about Romans or taught on Romans 8.1, that there is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. And uh, so I just, you know, and, and you know, despite the, uh, my, my failures and, and, you know, you guys can probably relate, you know, and the struggles with sin and my thoughts and the way I think sometimes, it's just, it's bombastic, it's just terrible. You know, and th but that's why I'm saying that if I could lose my salvation, if I wasn't sealed in the Holy Spirit, you're right, Ephesians 1, 13, 14, that's, um, that sealing that God does, God does that. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to take it away. If God doesn't love us any less and he can't love us anymore, he did what he did and he did it for us. And um, it's, it's just security, right? I love that. All right. So, um, you know, as, uh, I don't know, I'm, all right, so I'm going to talk real quick. We, um, you know, just wrapping up the, the Old Testament and where we see Jesus, you know, there was, there's somewhere, I guess, some people point to over 300 prophecies that point to Christ. Um, I think some of those are a stretch, maybe, I don't know exactly, but. You know, there's a lot, several of those that Jesus just couldn't, you know, control. He couldn't control. If he wasn't who he says he was, he couldn't control where he was born. And the Bible calls a shot, you know, hundreds of years before he's born of where it would be in Bethlehem. And, um, you know, the, uh, you know, we look at, you know, the Matthew, the genealogy. Oh, I start, that's what I started to say about Ms. Crow Mrs. Crowley, what she read. Um, before that, talked about the genealogies, that from Abraham to David, there was 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian, um, hey, put that, uh, that um, what you call it, slide up. You know what I'm talking about? That one. I know you can't see that very well, but 
there was 14 generations. So this basically, guys, is a timeline from Adam and Eve to, to Jesus. And it gives the melodic line through the Bible uh, from Genesis to Revelation. And, uh, and if you haven't taken the Old Testament survey to, to understand what that means, I mean, you want to understand the Bible and have it open up a whole new world to you, that's a class to take. That's somebody, even if you can't take the class, sit down with somebody who has taken it and, and understand that. So 14 generations from Adam to David, and then David to the Babylonian um, deportation. Um, deportation or the, what was the word? Exile. Well, I think because they, they get taken to Babylon, Babylon, Babylon and they were de deported from Assyria. Okay, it doesn't matter. And then 14 generations from there tell Christ. So we have a genealogy, pretty darn accurate one, all the way back to Adam of what was going on and just all pointing to Christ. All right, so point two. Um, who is Jesus to me and who is he to you? You know, as I, uh, as I was kind of thinking about that, I, I was just sitting there in prayer, you know, and I'm going, God, you know, because, you know, again, I, I said a minute ago, if you've been a Christian for a while and you start to learn the things you do about the Bible and about Christ and about God, they can get, you know, anything you say physically with words, it seems like that just ain't enough, right? I mean, we just can't possibly describe and fathom who he is. So I started to say, I, I, I wrote down, I wrote grace. For me, he's rest. It's a place I can just rest in. I don't have to be something that I'm not um, good. And then all of a sudden I said patient. I went, hey, the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, right? In uh, John 5. So I wrote down, you know, he's peace. He's kindness. He's grace. Rest. Loving, good, faithful, caring, understanding. He wants our obedience. He is patient with us. He's gentle. I thought of the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light. I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Um, so all these things uh, come to my mind. Um, is there any in there that you guys uh, could think of that I missed or that like he is to you? Oh. Savior. That's good. So I know I said a lot there, and I didn't, but um, he's just, uh, just a good God. So... You know, the bottom line is he, is he your Savior. And if you, if you have a chance, be here next week. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be saved. Um, I'm sure the gospel will come into that. Um, is he your Lord? You know, do you? I, I heard a message this week that was fascinating. And somebody read it earlier talking about being um, servants. And the, the proper, I was talking to some guys on Friday night about this, that 137 times, it Elohim or not? I think I'm Elohim. No, that's not it. But whatever the word was, it's translated actually the pure translation, and when you put it in context, it is slave. And I, and, you know, but that has a bad connotation, so all the English translations put servant instead of slave. But like, you know, for example, um, it makes sense when you put it like you can't serve two masters, right? Manna and man or something like that, was it? Or God? Yeah, man and God. If you put servants in there, well, of course you do. I have a boss. He has a boss. He has a boss. I mean, there's several servants in there that I can serve. But if you put slave in that context, you can't serve two slaves. He owns you. And that's the point. Christ did that on the cross for us. He owns us. Our life is not our own anymore. And I, I, I didn't have time to develop that. That's not, I don't think, the place that, obviously, the Lord didn't want me to take the message there. But it was really impactful to me. And, you know, there could be great, I think um, even Rob said that on Friday night, that there's great um, freedom in that. 
If you know that you belong to him, and we already talked about there's nothing you can do to him unknown you, that's a great, great place to be. Because I tell you, man, this world is pulling us in all kinds of directions, but we can rest there that Christ is the Savior. All right. So here, here's what I did. I, so I thought about what would be interesting, and I thought about this a month ago. Um, and I, I, I prayerfully made some questions. Let me take a drink here. I sat at my desk, and I said, God, I think it would be interesting to ask some people who Jesus is to them. So I prayerfully um, laid these questions out, and, um, and then I, I, you know, when you're, when you're doing it at your desk, man, you're strong as an ox, right? I said, oh, this is going to be easy, you know. And I don't know why. Why is it hard? I'm just asking them, who's Jesus to you? But, and right now you guys are going, yeah, what's the big deal? Well, that took a lot of courage. I had to say, you know what, and I'm thinking, I, I even, I'll just confess this. If I didn't have to stand up here today and have an answer for what, you know, you know I don't know if I would have. I was, so, I was so uptight about it, and it was, it was weird. So let me tell you some of the results. I've been carpooling with the same guy for about five years now. Adam, oh, I said his name. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't listen to stuff. Um, <laughs> Adam's uh, not a believer, and... Uh, and I had actually, we've engaged a few times over the years of driving. And I said to him, so here's the first question. All right, Adam, I have some questions for you. I'm going to be speaking to some people at the church here in a few weeks, and I, I, need, I need you to give me some feedback. I said, who is Jesus to you, and what do you know about him? Adam's answer. I think the story has been around long before 2,000 years ago. There's hieroglyphics on tombs that tell the same story of Jesus being the same as the Bible describes a virgin birth, 12 disciples, that he died, he rose from the dead, and he just, boop, 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 boop. I went, wow. Now, I will tell you, Adam did go to a Bible school. I think he went to Northwest Christian School until he was in eighth grade, then he went to the Greenway Demons. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> oh, Lord, save him. Um, I, I never connected that they're called the Greenway Demons. Anyhow, but he went there, but he's not a believer. So, and I'll be honest, in that moment, I didn't flush my faith at the moment and say, oh my gosh, is that true? No, I didn't say that. But I wasn't sure how to respond. And I, um, so we just kind of talked about that. And I think that I, I, I can't remember what I said. I didn't concede, of course, but I don't remember exactly what I said, but I didn't respond the way I really wanted to. So hold that for a minute. Second question. Adam, I said, in the Bible, Jesus never uttered the words, I am God. But he made many other statements that can't be properly interpreted to mean anything else, just like we talked about, right? And I told him, I actually told him some of the things of, uh, you know, John 8 and that the Jews picked up stones, all that stuff. So we talked about that, and he said, he goes, Adam said, I'd never heard that Jesus made those statements before. So that was, I thought that was cool that, you know, all of a sudden the Lord's working on his heart. I thought, wow, I've never heard that. Here's the kicker, guys. Third question. Adam, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's John 14, 6. Guys, for a full 60 seconds, there was silence. I just got done telling him that Jesus claimed to be God. And I don't know what was going on in his head. That moment, at that moment, I was praying, praying a lot. And I, and I and, you know, disappointingly, um, on all these conversations that I had, I never pressed into the gospel. I'm not sure why. Um, maybe it's because of my agenda. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, and I have opened the door to, to go back and talk to them, uh, to talk to Adam about this, obviously. But that was a powerful moment that I never 
intended when I prayerfully wrote these questions down. So that was the, that was the most impacting. Um, guys, also, as I, as I say that, I, I almost didn't say this earlier, but, you know, when we're out there, and, and if you prayerfully have those moments when you can't engage, first of all, I would encourage that. Um, but the tension that we live in, guys, and I think that sometimes... And this is just one elder's view, and, and if they kick me off the board, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't think it's that uh, dramatic. But I think the tension and the pressure that we put on ourselves to save souls, all of us in here who have been in the faith a long time, it's not up to us to reason people or to open their hearts and minds to the gospel. But sometimes we can say things in such a way that if I don't say something to him, he could go to hell. I think God's sovereignty and all of that and how that works, um, yes, he uses us to be his hands and feet. Um, I'll give you a good example, guys. I'm not a great closer. What I mean by that is I have talked to a lot of people about Christ. I haven't led a lot of people to Christ. And there's, I think there's people, and if you can be a seed planter, I think God, obviously, all in his economy, he can use these things. You know, I mean, do you think I planted some seed in Adam's mind and heart? Absolutely. You know, and, and that, again, praise God for, for the questions that, again, I'm just sitting there just pondering at my desk, and those things came out, and I had no idea that was going to be the response. But don't live in that tension that, yes, we're supposed to be his hands and feet out of obedience, out of love, but not because, oh, my gosh, that guy's going to maybe suffer forever away from Christ. It doesn't work that way. So just be um, sensitive to the Spirit and, and trust our Lord that He's going to work it all out in the end, um, that we don't have to. So as, now, with that said, I'm going to have, I might have gone quick, but as the music team comes up and the communion team starts to get in place, I'm going to tell you guys about the other conversations real briefly here. So the second conversation was with um, a young technician. He's uh, 22 years old, and... Um, I said, who is Jesus to you? And he says, he's my Lord and Savior. And I looked at him and said, why would you say that? And he, and he says, uh, and I, uh, I think, he goes, I don't know, I just think that's what you're supposed to say, whatever he said. And um, I said, uh, were you raised with a faith? He goes, my parents weren't religious, but my grandparents were, and I would go to church with them. And I went for a while, but I stopped going. Remember, he's 22 years old. He's right in that window, right, when kids start to, to go away because they haven't had a firm foundation of the truth and or an example in their home or whatever, whatever the reasons are. Um, it doesn't have to be those things. So, you know, God is, again, sovereign. So question two, um, I, I said to him, I said Jesus uttered that he wanted to be God, you know, uh, that he, I'm sorry, I wanted to be God, that's what he said. He said that I am God, uh, but he made, you know, you heard the question, you know, can't be interpreted any other way. He goes, question two, Kobe's answer. Sounds like he wanted to be God. I looked at him and I said, doesn't that make him sound kind of crazy? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so we talked about C.S. Lewis. If you guys, I'm sure you've, most of you have heard that thing that, you know, he wasn't, we just can't be, be, you know, patronize anybody who tries to say, well, he was just a good teacher. No, no. Did Jesus really leave that open to us? Just on the few verses we read today, I mean, he claimed to be God. He either was a lunatic, you know, on the level of a poached egg, he was the devil himself, or he was God, you know, in the flesh. And, and again, that Christology thing, you guys, when, when I talk about being God, you know, he, he had to become, God had to become a man so that 
the perfect sacrifice could be made. Because up until that point, if he didn't have to be the perfect man and do what Jesus did, then we could have just stuck with the sacrificial system of slaughtering animals and then and praying and hopefully our hearts would get right. You know, but that didn't work out too well or at least God never intended it to, so he brought along Jesus. All right, Stephen, um, I, he said, my grandpa and cousins were pastors. We went to church for a long time. And um, another guy I talked to, I think I kind of alluded to that, right? And uh, I said, what happened? He goes, well, my cousin died in his 30s, and my grandfather died because he's old. And um, we started going to that same church, but we felt judged. So I thought, well, that's interesting. So they kind of walked away from this. And I will tell you, Stephen, um, I don't think he has a real faith. Let's just say he wears a police costume sometimes at night. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, he's a unique individual. Um, so that's Stephen. Uh, Scott, my partner, I asked him the question, you know, who is Jesus? And he says, I said, who is he to you? And he goes, well, I don't know him personally. And he kind of was joking, you know, like I've been shaking his hand lately and stuff. And, uh, but he said this, he goes, I do believe in a higher power. I'm skeptical. I don't feel I should uh, judge and I don't want to be judged, which ironically, everybody's judging, right? I mean, I, I chose to leave that alone. This next one I did not. He said, the Bible has been changed over time. So I asked him, why would you say that? Um, and then he said, uh, other religious, um, and then he said, who am I to say that other religious beliefs aren't true? So again, I sit three feet from Scott every day at my desk. So he and I will have more conversations. I never did get back to you, though, about Adam. A couple days later, after I had time to process Adam saying hydroglyph or hydro hieroglyphics, whatever, the, I said, Adam, something's been bothering me about what you said. I said, it just occurred to me that, and I, and I tried to, I, I just called his bluff. I said, whoever you heard this from, I said, it's just, it's just nonsense. I said, for you and that guy, whoever it was that you heard, I said, for you guys to just randomly say that over centuries, 2,000 years, all these Bible scholars, the book of the, the word, I mean, everything that we have, the evidence, all of a sudden you guys haven't figured out that we're all wrong? I said, that's just erroneous. It does not make any sense. He goes, hmm. you know, just, he didn't say anything, but I, and again, I have a very good relationship with him. We're just guys, right? So, I mean, I wasn't beating him up, but I just was trying to point out to him the air of his ways that he needs. So we'll just see where God goes with that. All right. So um, creation, rebellion, Jesus, uh, you know, was the answer to restoration and redemption. And um, I love that. Uh, that we have a savior that we can trust so fully, that his word has been so complete, and um, that he is God in the flesh. Obviously, I could have went a lot of places, guys, but from Genesis 1 to uh, Revelation 22, um, you know, even, even in the genealogy story that uh, um, Mrs. Crowley read that we didn't read those first things, I mean, in, chap in Matthew chapter 1, verse 7, you know, God includes Bathsheba, and for those of you that know the story, and you'll read it, and uh, that's actually, I don't know if I've told you that reference. Second Samuel 11 and 12 is the, the story of, uh, you know, David having an adulterous affair with um, Bathsheba and then, then having her husband murdered to try to cover it up. And this is a guy that they say was after God's own heart. And I'm not saying that like a frown like, can you, what, are you kidding me? No, I know myself well enough to know apart from Christ, I could have been a slime ball like that too. And he, um, 
for him to be in the line still, if human beings, you know, just to go back a couple weeks about can we trust the Bible, if human beings write the Bible, do we put an adulterous murder in the line of Christ? No. Bathsheba bore Solomon, right? The richest man who ever lived, who wrote most of Proverbs. I mean, God is not afraid to use our faults and failures in his plan of restoration um, in the story, right? In the historical account, as it were. We're making history as we roll. So I'm going to pray right now. The music team is going to do a song of response. If any of you guys have any questions, Brian, who led prayer, Jeff's over here. Um, you know, if you have any questions at all, there's leaders, ask us. Just ask us. It's a safe place. We're not going to get you. And, um, you know, I just, um, yeah, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for, um, for this time, Lord, just to be before your church and um, just talk of you and how grand you are and how, again, words just can't um, put you um, in your proper place. Lord, but you are the sovereign God, the creator of all, the sustainer of all. And uh, we thank you for um, who you are in our lives and just how you're holding us together. Lord, I pray for hearts and minds in here that uh, maybe don't have that resolved and that you would uh, give them the courage just to ask a question. It's okay. It's okay. All of us, none of us believed at some point. We've all had to come to a point where we believe. And we thank you, God. We thank you for your precious, precious son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.